Good day, everybody, and welcome to our inaugural podcast, Horse Sense Street Smart Investing. My name is Clark Hodges, and I come to you from our the Hodges Capital offices in Dallas, Texas on Maple Avenue with my brother, Craig Hodges. We started a podcast based upon our father's book, Horse Sense Street Smart, that he created while he was our father, and we were growing up in the house watching him collect quotes his whole adult life. Kind of a great story behind that. Um, as Clark mentioned, we were a, my dad was a tremendous collector of quotes. He just loved to read. He'd go over his house on a Saturday night, and my poor mom is having to sit with him while he's reading and studying 10Ks and uh, trying to find investments. But as teenagers grow up, um, he would always stop us as we were walking through the house. Yeah. Clark, come here. Craig, come here. I've yeah. got this great quote I want you to hear. And of course, we would listen and and try to learn something. I from told the him quotes. to put in a book. <laughs> well, so what so what happens is teenagers do. You start tuning out your dad at probably age fifteen, right? And uh, you just kind of sit there and nod for a while. And I think he sensed somewhat that we weren't. It wasn't exactly see, seeping right. in. So he started just collecting and had his assistant every time he saw something that he read was outstanding, he would put it in a file. And he he collected this over, well, I guess, what, yeah. 30, 40, 40 years. years. And, and it was actually ripping out of the paper or yeah. ripping out of a magazine, the actual quote. And he just would say he thought it was true. Yeah. It was a truism to him. Right. So ultimately, when it got into a book form, the file that had 40 years of ripped out pieces of paper was so thick. Do you yeah. remember that? Yeah, yeah. And it was interesting because... You know, the the very thing that we ignored ended up being the gold, right? Yeah, we treasure it today. Yeah, and, and, and on his 50th, uh, celebrating his 50th year in the business, we put all those together and put a little bound copy, which got him with the idea yeah. of creating the book. And the book has just been tremendous. It's it's really affected a lot of people a yeah. lot of places. Yeah. And we are really happy on this podcast to have Ron Corning join us as our producer Ron, how are you doing today? I'm doing great. And I feel really honored to be a part of this because I've known both of you over the years. Craig, I've seen you on CNBC a lot. Clark, you're a regular on on my current show. And when I was at uh, Channel 8 here in Dallas, knowing you all as a family and how you are carrying on the legacy of your dad and have a real passion for this business as he had, I think is really something that the audience can identify with. Um, and I think it lends itself to your, your credibility, right? And your trustworthiness. And as I hear you talk about your dad, I have a question for you. Right. Um, he used to say, you both told me this, he used to say that people believe in order to be successful or prosperous financially, you had to own something in America. And he believed everybody could own something in America. They could own a piece of any company they wanted because of the stock market. And that to me was a revelation. I'd never thought about it that way. Um, how has that influenced how you do business? It's, it's pretty remarkable when you think about it. And, and, you know, there's nothing preventing you from owning the company of the most successful. I mean, think of the companies now that are just changing the way we live. You can be an owner of that. I think we all take that for granted. Mm -hmm. But literally you can, you know, 15, 20 years ago, if you went to Starbucks a lot and you thought, this is a good company. You 
15 to 20 years ago, if you bought Starbucks, you were you're doing unbelievably well. Yeah. And that's the opportunities I think we all take for granted. And he always stressed that you can be owners of the most successful businesses in the world just by buying shares of them. And just by being observant, you don't have to have a Ph.D. from Harvard to be a good investor. Like Craig said, if you go to Starbucks or you go to a company like a, a Costco type company, it's packed every weekend. That might be something to think about as an investment. Mm. And it doesn't take a lot of money. Nowadays with mutual funds, you can dollar cost average $50, $100 a month into that fund. And you're probably owning 100 of the best companies in America. So if, for example, back in the early days of Uber, you found yourself, oh, what's this? Riding with a friend who had the app. By the time you're downloading the app and taking your third ride, are you thinking to yourself, what's the status of this company? Are they public? Are they private? Are they going public? Right. This is really the things we use and the things that we enjoy could be setting us up for a financial right. future. And in this pandemic, Uber Eats goes to my house at least twice a day. <laughs> I mean, you know. Twice a day. That's yeah, a personal I, mean, I think I've there's an teenagers. intervention for that. Yeah, I think no, that's I've got personal for him. And, you know, at one in the morning when the <laughs> doorbell rings, you know what it is. Somebody's getting Taco Bell. But it's Uber Eats, oh you know. Here's, here's something, a curious question. Your dad passed away in January of 2015. Yes. Since then, Robinhood, as one example, is a platform that has made trading accessible to the retail investor, as we've come to know them. How would he feel about that? It has been for some, perhaps, and we're going to get into this. It's been for some not the best way to invest because they have this idea you can get rich quick on a mm -hmm. stock that doubles in two days. But in terms of accessibility, right, providing a platform and an opportunity for the everyday investor to have a piece of the American dream. How would he feel about that? I, I personally think he would love it. The fact mm. that everyone can participate. I mean, literally, if you have a 50 bucks, you can buy a stock mm. or maybe, maybe fractions. And not that you're going to become a successful investor just by doing a, a handful of stocks you hear tips on. But what, what you'll end up doing is you'll probably make a lot of money in some things and you'll lose a lot of money in some things. But the, what I think is great about it is these young people are doing it and they'll learn from their mistakes. You don't really learn from your victories. You learn from your mistakes. Do, have you found that to be true in, in your years of investing? Absolutely. Both personally Definitely. and, of course, advising clients. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. And, like, and I think dad would be worried for this class of person because they're going to make those mistakes, which may include option trading, which may include margin. And I, as a dad, he would say, they're going to yeah, get don't burned. Don't use leverage, right? Yeah. And, don't use and leverage. they will get burned. And you've but, heard some of those but, stories. But buy great companies and hold on to them. When you say don't use leverage, again, I'm, I'm representing sort of that retail investor, right? Because I'm, I want to believe I'm young, but I mean, I'm looking toward retirement, but I've, I've just been introduced to Robinhood, for example, and I don't understand what some of these terms are. And some of our viewers are going to be those people who are wondering, what are options? What is margin? What is leverage? Over the course of this podcast, we hope that these guys, and they will be able to inform you what that is so you don't fall into a financial trap. Absolutely. Would you, should I Please. Yeah. What, like, for example, when you say leverage yeah. or a margin. Margin, is, it's basically borrowing more money to buy more equities. Mm. And that sounds good. Like if you could, if you say you have $10,000 and you borrow an, an additional 5000 to buy stocks, well, that sounds good and everything. If things go up, you're going to make more money, and that's great. But eventually, it'll get you because when it goes down, 
you go down at twice the rate. Yeah. You know, the, the, your losses yeah. are twice as much because you've borrowed that money. Uh, it's not, you don't own it. You know, you don't own it. You're, you're borrowing it. And so leverage gets you. And if there's a, a lesson I could learn, options, options will get you. If I would just take the money and buy a great company, I'd be so much better off. Yeah. And again, over the course of this series of podcasts, we'll explain what options are and yeah. so forth. But when you talk leverage, all I can think about Clark in a way that people might relate to is during the crash of 08, a lot of people who didn't have the income were able to leverage what they had for low interest rate mortgages with arms. And then when those interest rates went up, they found themselves underwater, unable to pay a steeper mortgage. Right. So really- Leverage is a term used to, you're using someone else's money, you're borrowing, hoping that you'll hit pay dirt. Right. And it, it can backfire even when it comes to residential mortgages. It's not, yeah. if you're fully leveraged, I mean, borrowing as much as you can in order to buy something, real estate, stock, whatever, it's not a question of if you'll go broke, it's a question of when you'll go broke, because mm. it will happen. So your son, Craig, yes. is in his 20s? Yeah, 20 years old. Okay. He's on Robin Hood. He is. You're his dad. Yeah. Yeah. Is he making mistakes? Sure. But he's also learning what is what works and what doesn't. And what I think it's learned, and I think he now knows when he is speculating, which is just kind of betting on the comp, hoping something happens, as opposed to investing, where you're buying something that you know is going to create a rate of return and you just have to be patient. So if you know if you're gambling, speculating, or if you're investing, you can control that. So he, he's learning those lessons and it's been kind of fun to watch him do that. Clark, I think it's interesting that you're, you're doing what you do at a time when it is more accessible for more people to invest. There were some investment firms which frown upon and look down on the retail investor. You don't take that approach. No, we look at this as a calling. The business we're in is helping people with their investments. We want them to lean on us for their advice and that's really, we get that from our dad. You know, I can't tell you how many times I was at his house, nine o'clock, 9.30. He's on the phone with a client who's worried, whatever mm -hmm. the case may be, whatever what might have happened that day. And we hope that we convey the invest, investor story as opposed to the trader story. And I think the trading side of the Robin Hood would worry dad. And I like to say to people, I can name you a lot of billionaires that are investors, but I can't think of one trader that's a billionaire. And so it just goes to show you that it's, it's kind of fool's gold to think you can go in and out of stocks on a regular basis and make money. Mm -hmm. It's really a buy and hold thing. And that's the kind of advice that we would give to the Robin Hood. Now, Craig has said he's glad that his son is going through this because it will make him a better investor in his 30s. I think that's a great perspective. And I think that's the perspective dad would probably have had, right? Yeah. Let them make their mistakes. You know, he's in college, you know, but he'll be a better investor for it. And I like that perspective. Do you think he'll go into this business? I don't know. Um, it's a great business. And it's, it's Clark talked about calling. And it's really, re it's a rewarding business, not just financially, but really what you can, how you can affect people's lives. It's mm -hmm. really, and my dad, you know, he had a great career and he was, you know, well-known, took care of his clients very, but, and he had some really wealthy, wealthy investors over the years, but he got a lot more pleasure out of 
helping a, a, a widowed school teacher or somebody that uh, is just getting a, a point in life where they just now finally have some savings, turning that person, making money for that person than some rich guy that just got a little bit richer. He took so much satisfaction, and I see where, where that is because you really can affect people's lives and, and, and their livelihood. Clark, you told me about, I don't want to get this wrong, a young person who I believe might have been in the restaurant industry, a waitress? Waiter. A waiter. And you advise them to put how much a month? 50 or 100, whatever they, whatever they could afford. Into? Into a, a mutual fund, a growth mutual fund. Which you saw a series of stocks in that mutual fund right. that you endorsed. Right. Yeah. You set it up to, it's, a, it's kind of another bill. You don't think about it. Maybe it's your Starbucks money, right? Take that money, put it in there. And just sit back and think, okay, when XYZ Corporation in five years is making so many more millions of dollars, their stock price should be higher. So you're benefiting by just breathing during that time, basically. Mm -hmm. And you're getting that money into the market and you're owning a piece of that business. <clears throat> Warren Buffett might buy the whole business. We're just saying be a little Warren Buffett and buy a piece of that business and benefit from the owners of that business or the, the, the CEOs who are definitely owning a piece of that business when it's worth more money in the future. And if you look at the stock market, it basically goes up two thirds of the time. Mm. So we can sit here right now and we've heard many people say, we know the stock market's going to 50,000. We just don't know when. Mm -hmm. but, it, but you've heard people say that for years and years and years. The trajectory is such, if you just sit back and let it happen, but you're buying good quality names, you should do really well. But with Robinhood, if you do some of your due diligence, you set up almost in a way yeah. your own mutual fund by selecting specific stocks of things you care about. Um, it's interesting, we keep coming back to Starbucks. You said, if you like Starbucks, buy their stock. Well, that means you're drinking their coffee and then take your Starbucks money and save it <laughs> to buy something else. Um, it's sort of like this ecosystem of Starbucks, but it's a good example because it's something that um, is so pervasive. So this waiter now, how many years later, has how much money? Uh, I don't know exactly how much, but I know uh, for a fact it's, it's you know, percentage-wise, I don't know what it did. But wasn't it in the six figures? Uh, X yeah. number of years yeah. later? Yeah. yeah, it was It was a low, low dollar amount. It was 22 years later, and it was a six-figure account. Yes. We've become a culture to some degree, young people especially, who are looking for instant gratification. instant gratification. And if you look at Twitter, right, and you follow Robin Hood and people who are day traders, not investors necessarily, they create this sense of you can turn $1,000 into 100000 virtually overnight if you choose the right thing. And I think that's where you all come in to help that that's person who has an yeah. interest to change their way of thinking of how they invest and not just trade. Right. It's a, it's a real problem when you're in that Robin Hood realm and you hear about the new meme stock, let's say, and you're like, well, what am I going to sell to buy it? Because I got to buy it because we all know it's going to go higher. Well, they don't know that. But because they're in that you know, realm, their friends are probably doing it. They're thinking, I got to get a piece of this one. So they might sell something that's probably good. That goes and, up the next that, month yeah, yeah. when the quarterly earnings yeah. come in. And then they get into something that tanked because they were it, chasing Then it. you become an investment professional for yourself. Because I know Craig all day long, he manages money. And if he, he likes a stock... 
that he wants to buy, he probably has to sell something or part of something to buy it. Mm -hmm. And so there you go. There's the game, right? So, so would you say, this brings us to a point that I think is very important to cover. That is the fear of missing out. FOMO, as they call it. You can hashtag that, hashtag FOMO. Um, do you sometimes, Clark or Craig, find yourself in a situation of experiencing FOMO or have you learned to just sort of no, it's let totally, what you have it's ride totally it out. human nature to feel like you're missing out on something. So don't feel bad about it. We no. all experience it. We all experience it. And the trick is figuring out what's reality. How right? to temper it. How to temper it or, yeah, how to make a smart decision about it. So, for example, Clark, if Tesla has done really well in the last year and you've got a client who's in Tesla, you say to them, now, we could do this, take a little of this profit and let's test this over here because we feel good about it. Is right. that kind of how that goes? You can do that if you want, but there's another way to do it too, is we've got this other stock that hadn't done well. And instead of waiting a year or two for it to come back, you might, you might talk them into saying, Hey, let's get rid of the loser. Keep the winner. I think that's what Craig and dad might've said. It's, it's better sometimes to sell your losers and keep your winners and maybe even add to your winners. It's okay then sometimes depending to take a loss. Absolutely. Sure. Losses are sometimes the smartest thing you can do. Something that happens a lot is if you're wrong on a stock and it goes down, okay, you're wrong. That's the first thing. If you, if it doesn't improve and that money stays down, that's the second thing when you could have taken that money and put it in a better horse, you know? Okay. And so really that's the decision. I like how you're taking the theme here, horse sense. <laughs> you worked that right in. You're good. You're good. No, you're good. Don't you love though how you're using this platform, which is a new form of media, the video podcast, adapting your dad's book, which is basically his legacy. Um, you'll notice we've, we've sort of worked the title a little bit, making it a little more modern, but it, it pays homage to him. And as much as things have changed and how people invest, so much has remained the same. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, he was a very common sense guy. He, he grew up in West Texas, in the panhandle of Texas, had, you know, a, I think he was a history major yeah, in college. Never took a business had, class. Had never had a business class and got interested in stocks by getting, getting some money for Christmas one time. And he took that money and went and bought some Pepsi Cola. Yeah. And $115 that, worth of Pepsi Cola. Right. Yep. December one 1959. Act, that one act started all of this in motion. And uh, he soon started to learn about the business, got hired by Merrill Lynch in 1960. And, and kind of the rest is history. Well, we found the PepsiCo calculator yep. and it only goes back to 1980. <laughs> oh, is that right? But $115 of PepsiCo oh, in gosh. 1980, which oh, has split 16 times. We'll explain what happens when a stock splits. Then there's the reverse split. All of these things, of course, to be covered in future podcasts. But going back to 1980, I think $115 of PepsiCo in 1980 would be worth, it was a large sum. Yeah. We're talking about 30 years earlier he bought that. Yeah. 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 And you were here at the headquarters in Dallas in the building that he bought as he was growing his business. It's really, I mean, it's, it's an amazing piece of architecture right here on, on Maple Avenue. Um, you must feel his presence every day walking these halls. Sure. This build, building really fit. fit the him. artwork is him. Yeah. Um, yeah. He loves this kind of thing. <laughs> um, you know, the little sayings you might see in a frame, um, the, the uh, bronzes of horses and things. You know, he 
That's yeah. definitely him. Let's wrap it up by sharing with people one final thought from your dad that you think still holds true today. Something from the book, Clark. You know, one of the simplest quotes that he ever said is, is, is really simple and common sense, but it's very impactful to me. And it's a longer quote, but basically he would say, look, people don't realize that we're in a game that doesn't end. The stock market opens the next morning at 8.30. So things may look one way when it's five minutes to three and you're panicking and you think, oh my gosh, what do I do? But it starts over tomorrow. There's no final whistle. There's no final gun. There's no clock that ends. There's always a chance. It starts over tomorrow, and that's an opportunity for a new direction. Every day is a new opportunity. That's right. Yeah. That's right. And this is an opportunity for you guys to reach a whole new audience in a whole new way with a new way of investing that we're going to introduce throughout this podcast as well. So as your producer, I give you permission to wrap it up and say goodbye. Until next time. This was fun. Thanks yeah. for your help. On Ron, this. This was thank great. you very much. Yeah. Thanks, guys. Appreciate you joining us. Until next time, we look forward to uh, podcast number two. Hodges Capital Management Incorporated, HCM, is an investment advisory firm registered with the Securities and Exchange Commission, SEC, is a wholly owned subsidiary of Hodges Capital Holdings and serves as investment advisor to the Hodges Funds. HCM is affiliated with First Dallas Securities Incorporated, a broker, dealer, and investment advisor registered with the SEC. This discussion is not intended to be a forecast of future events and should not be considered a recommendation to buy or sell any security. Past performance is not indicative of future results. Investing involves risk. Principal loss is possible. Investing in smaller companies involves additional risk, such as limited liquidity and greater volatility. No current or prospective client should assume that information referenced in this communication is a recommendation to buy or sell any security or is a substitute for personalized investment advice from your individual advisor. HCM does not provide tax or legal advice. Consult your tax or legal advisor for any related questions. All information referenced herein is from sources believed to be reliable and is provided as general market commentary and does not constitute investment advice. This material was created for informational purposes only, and the opinions expressed are solely those of HCM. HCM shall not in any way be liable for claims and makes no expressed or implied representations or warranties as to the accuracy or completeness of the data and other information. The data and information are provided as of the date referenced and are subject to change without notice. <laughs>